I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Michael, how do you pronounce your last name? Zavala. Michael Zavala Mm -hmm. on the podcast today. You guys have heard me talk about him quite a few times. I always refer to him in Spider. He is the owner and founder of MZ Studios here in Dallas. And the reason that I brought him on to this podcast was for a few reasons. The first was not only has he been a mentor in the podcast space and he's taught me a lot about podcasting, he's given me feedback as well as Spider, but we talk a lot about business and life things, especially over the last few months. I've become really close with him and I've been friends with Spider for so long. So I wanted to bring him on the podcast and A, pick his brain just about the content space and the podcasting industry. He's been in this space for 16 years. I know you're only uh, 25, right? Yeah, 22. 22. 22 wow. in March. <laughs> so I'm excited. So yeah, started when he was six years old. No, Mm -hmm. I'm just joking. Um, But that's kind of where I wanted to start this episode. Being in the podcasting space for 16 years, initially, what prompted you into wanting to go into this space? I know you have a little bit of a background in acting and... Yeah, so like radio, voiceover work, that kind of stuff. And then I've always wanted to um, do entertainment, but like audio-wise, I've always loved audio. Yeah. And so I thought maybe I'll do stand-up comedy, maybe I'll do um, voice acting, like characters, cartoons, stuff like that. And then that didn't work. So I thought, well, let me go into radio because radio is kind of the same type yeah. of thing. And then did that for a little bit. But then I was like, let us let me try to do my own thing so I can do my own yeah. thing the way I want it to uh, sound and want it to look like and stuff. And uh, so a couple of buddies and I got together and we started our own little demo and we started our own little little online radio stuff back in the day and it took off it got really popular and got really syndicated uh very fast and so um yeah and then it just kind of took off from there why do you think it took off so quickly because we were the only ones at that time doing it the way we were doing it and sounded as professional as we sounded because back in the day you didn't have all the equipment that we had i had yeah uh, a kind of a uh a plug, I guess, for used equipment that they would just hand me some stuff because I loved audio so much. People would just yeah. give me like an old mixer or whatever. So I had all this equipment that I'd built up. And so nobody sounded like us and nobody was putting in the time and effort, rightfully so, because we were a bunch of nerds, yeah. putting in the time and effort into doing a show like we were doing yeah. and getting celebrity guests and working with public. Nobody was doing that. They just wanted to go on and be like Howard Stern and do blue jokes and stuff like that. And we were actually taking it very seriously. So, and then it grew into what it is today. Was your initial idea for the podcast, I'm trying to think, I feel like podcasts got big, what, like seven-ish years ago was yeah. when I really dove into it. So that's, you started almost a, a decade before. I feel like people really started to catch on. Initially, what was the feedback? Do you feel people were open to the idea of podcasting or maybe not so much? Because I feel like when something's new, a lot of people are like, oh, that's going to fail. And then obviously now, 16 years later, you're successful with your podcast and obviously have a studio. Um. So I think when people looked at podcasts and they thought of it as like a guy sitting in his mom's basement, like an overweight, like Dungeons and Dragons type guy, it was that kind of thing. So it's, you? I'm yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, and so they, that's what they looked at it yeah. like. And because uh, you had to be kind of a nerd. It's like people that were into ham radios and stuff. Did you ever know anybody that was into ham radios and stuff when you were a kid? No, what's a ham radio? Like a ham radio. I don't even know what a ham radio is exactly, but it's apparently they put antennas on stuff and they talk to people. It's like a CB radio or like what police have. I don't know really what it is, but no. people were really big into that. Yeah. And um, 
So we were really big into like producing audio shows, basically. And we didn't call them podcasts. In fact, for years, even though we were kind of doing a podcast, we weren't really posting them. They were live shows. And then uh, eventually we got around to posting them online. Uh, I call them on-demand shows. Oh. In fact, I hate it. I hate the word podcast so much that I still call my show on-demand, even though it is a podcast. But it's an on-demand show. Why do you hate the name podcast? Because of the connotation it had way back in the day where it was just nerdy people. Now it's cool. Back then it yeah. wasn't cool. That makes sense? Like It was like yeah. if I was into... I don't know, something weird way back in the day. I was really big into it and it wasn't cool. And everyone made fun of people that did it. So you kind of stay away from that term. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I still, it is what it is. It's still the, uh, it's still the same thing that they were making fun of. We're just now it's cool. Yeah. Does that make sense? You didn't mention this, but I know from conversations that you wanted to go out to LA and be a comedian and do that whole scene. Uh-huh. Looking back, do you feel like that was always your personality as a kid? And now this is your way to express yourself through podcasting, voiceover, all that type of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I always say I do my show now. I still continue to do my show because uh, I can't not do it. Like it's so it's my outlet. It's something it's yeah. my art, really. Yeah. That's my art. Like some people can paint, I can't paint. Yeah. <laughs> but I can talk and make jokes and I can, you know, uh, interview people and uh, do bits out in the street and all that stuff. I love all that. And so this is my way of, of expressing myself. So yeah, that's, it's a way of doing my comedy in a controlled environment uh, and deliver it to people in the way that I like doing it. And like I said, I love audio more than video stuff because video, you get to plan a whole lot of stuff. You got to figure out wardrobe and people in audio, you can fake that. It's the imagination that you're using. And so, um, that's what I really love about it. So it's more challenging to produce audio stuff, I think yeah. creatively. And I like that challenge. Where did the idea for the podcast studio stem from? So I always wanted to have a studio when I was a kid because I love like walking into radio stations and recording studios and seeing all the buttons and the lights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always thought when I was a kid, I was like, oh, it would be cool to have a recording studio. And then I got older and then uh, like a teenager and I was realizing that uh, a lot of these people that had studios had to sit and listen to people's crappy music for like 14 hours. Like people would rent the studio. You can't tell them, no, you're there in the studio. You got to listen to the same track over and over and over again. I'm like, I don't really want to do that. I don't like music that much. Um, And so I kind of threw that idea away and we, I never had a plan to start a, like a podcast studio, never had a plan for it. And then years later, I got an opportunity um, to open a little tiny studio down the street here. And uh, it was a buddy of mine that owned the building. And he's like, Hey, I've got this little space. If you want to have a studio, he came to me and asked me that. And uh, I thought he was going to hook me up and give me a deal. No, he charged me full price. In fact, it was overpriced. <laughs> and uh, what a friend! Yeah. What a friend. <laughs> and uh, so we started our studio there, and we just realized we we're only there a couple of days out of the week, and we had all this equipment there. And I'm like, why don't we just start a website and just see if anybody wants to use it? Maybe it'll help pay the rent every month. You know, that kind of a little extra cash. Um, and we put the website up within weeks. People were coming in. We were the first podcast studio, like actual audio podcast studio in Dallas. There was a lot of like live streaming studios and stuff like that, but we were the first like radio style podcast studio and, um, that I know of anyway. And people just started coming in and then it finally took a life of its own and we had to, you know, put people in place and grow it. And now we're in this nice studio here, but, um, it was never really the plan. It was just kind of unfolded that way. 
which we're going to touch on a little bit uh, when we get into more like life things. But obviously he knows my current situation. I feel like he was one of the first people that I told when I got laid off and everything. And we get so uh, like on a a plan and we want things to be structured and go a certain way. And you said something to me earlier, which I thought was so cool. So we'll touch on it now um, about how when you're trying to control things or you want things to go a certain way and you're kind of getting out in front of what's coming towards you, it never ends well. So I want you to elaborate a little bit uh, on that for the audience because I think it's a unique perspective that whether it's business or personal, a lot of people uh, can take away. Yeah. So like I'm I'm a control freak and I like, uh, <laughs> not in every situation, but in, yeah. in like this type of environment, like if I'm doing my show, I want to control every single aspect of it. I want to know where we're going, how we're going to get there. I like to know all that stuff. And I also... Uh, worry about a lot of stuff. So I try to avoid, you know, the risk and I do all that stuff. I like, I like to control the ship. Right. And, uh, so I do that in life too. And there's sometimes in life where you get that little voice where you're like, Hey, you just need to wait. You just need to calm down and be patient. Right. And a lot of times, uh, in life I've decided not to listen to that little voice. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna just do things my way. Right. And then I do it and then everything falls apart. And then a few months later, I everything comes together again. And if I had just waited, I wouldn't have wasted all this time, money, and energy on this thing that I was trying to do when I should have just listened to that little voice and just continued to wait and be patient. So I think like everyone goes through periods in life where they just have to wait, kind of like what you're going through right yeah. now. And you kind of like, you don't have a lot of control over the situation, but I've learned patience from that, which is something I'm not, it's not a strong <laughs> virtue for me at all. Uh, I get very, you should see me in traffic. I get very irritated very fast. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so I, it, it is, I, I learned, especially this year and the past couple of years, you have to, like, I broke my leg four years ago and, um, I, there's literally nothing I could do. I couldn't fix my own leg and, yeah. you know, force the bones together. I had to just wait. And in doing so, I learned patience doing it that way. And everything kind of worked together and it worked out because if I didn't break my leg, we wouldn't have probably been able to grow the studio because I was reluctant to get, because I'm a control freak. Yeah. I was reluctant to give people more responsibilities, like the guy sitting behind me, Spider here. Yeah. And because I was in a position now where I had to do that because we had another, no other choice. Well, look where we are today. You know, it, yeah. it, it, we took a risk. Even moving to this studio was a, a risk. This building that we're in now was a risk. And we did it um, at the timing that was not my timing, if that makes sense. And it yeah. all kind of worked out. So I realized more and more as I get older that the more you just kind of wait for the right time for stuff, like it'll happen. If you get that little voice inside your head saying you just need to be be quiet, be patient and wait, yeah, it things will happen. You just got to trust that little voice. It always has worked out. If But if I try to force yeah. it, it doesn't work out. I saw a quote earlier uh, after I recorded my earlier episode and it was like impatience with action. So be impatient with action. So take action quickly, but be patient with the outcome. Right. And I saw that and I was like, that is so genius because I think whether obviously you're an entrepreneur, you own this, you've taken risk, you do your own thing and we're going to dive into that. But I think it's so important to recognize that there's a time and a place to be patient. And it's often when you don't want to be patient. It's Mm -hmm. the time when you want something so badly and are trying to force it. But in that time, it's really when you need to be patient, the results are coming. It's just a matter of time. And I feel like that takes us right back into the podcasting space. And we were touching on this a little bit at the beginning, but I think a lot of people get into, and I've had people that have wanted to start podcasts. And the first thing they say is, I want to make money doing mm-hmm. it. And 
as much as we all want to make money doing something that we're passionate about or something that we're good at, I feel a lot of people make that mistake because they don't see the results so fast. In what you've seen over the years and obviously hosting a studio, what do you think are three of the most important things for people to understand if they're getting into this space with the intention of making money? If you're getting in this space with the intention of making money, you're in the wrong space because I think podcasting is not, not saying you can't make money with it, but it's not going to be your tool. Um, It's not going to just be, you're not going to be Joe Rogan tomorrow, right? You're not going to be making Joe Rogan money. And I think that when you get in this space with that, um, that goal, you're going to realize quickly, it's a lot harder than you think, and you're going to give up really fast. So I think that a number one, you need to know your purpose of why you're doing the podcast. What is it? If you didn't make a dime from it, would you still do your podcast? If the answer is uh, yes, then you should do a podcast and then follow that passion because that means it's a passion, right? Yeah. If you're a business, doing a podcast is more of an advertisement, right? It's a marketing tool to bring yeah. people back to your business, and that's how you would make money on that way. But uh, if you're just trying to just you like talking and talking to people, and you're thinking you're going to monetize that. You possibly can, but if that's your goal, ultimately to monetize, you're going to burn out very quick. Um, so I think a, you know, know your or one. I guess you asked me for three. Yeah. Um, one would be know what your goal is. Uh, two would be um, know who your audience is. That's a very important thing that I didn't know when I was starting, because then when you do start to market your podcast, you need to know who that person is that you're trying to talk to. I don't know. I still don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> I was going to say, how? What advice would you give for someone? Uh, before we get to number three on finding that audience, because I know you've given me some feedback on finding who that ideal person is. But I also think I know for me personally, it can feel overwhelming to have this dream audience at the very beginning. Yeah. So um, that's, you know, every podcast comes to us and they're like, hey, how do you, how do I grow my podcast? Yeah. And right now I always tell them it's social media and I hate social media. I mean, I'm, I'm on almost every platform and I never post. Um, I hate thinking of things to post, but if you're trying to grow your podcast right now to get people to discover what you're doing, you have to be posting reels. You have to be posting TikToks. You don't have to dance, but you need to be posting on TikToks, YouTube shorts, Twitter, all that stuff. Short form micro content. That's what everyone, when I open my phone, I'm bored and I got five minutes and I'm sitting on this couch over here. I'm opening up TikTok. I'm mm-hmm. already opening up Instagram and I'm scrolling and I want something to catch my attention, entertain me within five, 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. So if you can find the best clips from your show, your five seconds, your 10 seconds, it doesn't have to be 60. It can be less than that. It can be yeah. three seconds. If it's a really funny clip, it'll go viral. Um, take the best moments from your show and start putting them out on social media. Like we did, we've did, we never had a time like this where podcasters can take advantage of that. You were relying on uh, like to be on the new and noteworthy on Apple podcast and stuff like that. That's what you're relying yeah. on to get noticed. Or maybe you interviewed a celebrity and it got picked up by some article and then, you know, a bunch of people listened to your podcast and you got picked up that way. Or you put a bunch of advertising dollars by, you know, there's, there, there was always very difficult or just like hope, hope by chance you would get listened to. Now you can actually actively be promoting your podcast with social media and without spending a lot of money. You pick and pay an editor or you can do it yourself and then just post every day. That is super important, I think. For, and that's, I'm preaching that all the time. Yeah. You know, Gary V? Yeah. I'm Michael Z. <laughs> and I'm doing I'm telling everyone right now that they need to be posting because I've seen it work for us. I've seen it work with other podcasters. Yeah. Like for someone like us who we don't ever post on social media, we just started this year, started posting stuff. Yeah. We grew our followings, we've grown our listenership, we've grown our, you know, subscriptions on YouTube. And we're not doing anything special. We're not spending a lot of time on it, but yeah. we're we're making sure that's what our focus is on. 
Okay, so I need to bring it back. So what is the third thing that you I was think- trying to, I was hoping you forgot because I don't have a third. <laughs> uh, no, I think knowing your audience, I think, um, you know, I think also figuring out a strong topic of what your show is. And sometimes you wouldn't, you're not going to figure that yeah. out in the beginning. But some people just say, hey, I'm just going to come in here and riff. And they come in here, they bring three people because they say that they're funny and their friends say they're funny and they riff and they have nothing to talk about and it's over in 10 seconds. And yeah. then they never come back. So I think figuring out what your show is, what the purpose of the show is, the topic of the show is, it would be number three. Uh, two would be figuring out who your audience is. Who are you trying to, is it people like you? Is it uh, a certain demographic, uh, certain hobbies, interest groups, yeah. things like that? And then one though would be, uh, what did I say number one was? I forgot already. It's very important as you yeah, can tell. I, number one was, um, oh yeah, don't go in it for the money basically. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is the biggest mistake that people in the podcasting space make? Um, I think that they're the biggest mistake is them thinking that they're going to get successful overnight or they're going to do six months of episodes and then be super famous and they're going to go viral. Uh, I always tell people like, how many videos have you ever posted on YouTube? Did any of them go viral? They're like, no. Okay. Well, it's the same thing with podcasting. Just because you're making podcasts doesn't mean you're going to go viral. You, you, again, it comes back to what's the, the main intention of what, why you're trying to do this. For me, I do it. Because I, again, like I said, I have to do it. It's my art. It's yeah. like I can't stop doing it. Yeah. I, I want to because it's daunting sometimes and I'm tired and sometimes I don't want to come in, but I force myself to do it because it is my art. Um, and, and there's a lot of people like that that come in yeah. here and they want to just hang out and that's this is their kind of hangout time or their art time. And that's fine. But other people, I, I would say that you need to have a specific goal in mind. What do you, who are you trying to reach? What are you trying to do this for? Um, and then just stay on that goal because it's going to get tough. Yeah. And you're going to you're going to be like why am I doing this? But if you have that goal in mind and it's not monetary and uh, you keep striving for that goal, then you're going to continue going and you will see success. It, it will happen. You just it's the right time, right place, you yeah. know? But if you're not podcasting, you're never going to see it. What do you think makes a successful podcast? I know you and Spider have sat through a number of different podcasts. So what do you think if there's someone out there's listening, whether it's being a good host or being super good with content creation and reels, what do you think makes a super successful show? I think um, authenticity is number one because people aren't trying to find, there's already an NPR, right? You already can listen to NPR and some of these, uh, you know, PBS type podcasts if you want real, you know, proper speaking people and, you know, really highly edited uh, yeah. programs. So um, people want to hear real conversations and, and they want to hear about real life. That's why they listen in. And so I think being authentic, we see a lot of uh, successful podcasters being themselves and who they are. And then uh, I think consistency is another thing. Um, you know, we're all creatures of habit in some way. So like if you are posting twice, uh, you know, a month and you're telling everyone you're a weekly show, well, people are gonna get tired of listening to your show because it's a new show because it's not there anymore. Like yeah. you're not posting all the time. So guess what they're going to do? They're not going to wait. They'll maybe wait a week and then they're going to go find another podcast and that's going to be what they listen to on their way to work. And so uh, then you lose that listenership, you lose that, you know, the, the, the engagement, you probably, they'll stop following you on Instagram, you know what I mean? And they yeah. kind of pull back. And so, um, yeah, I think those are the two big things uh, that we see. I mean, obviously, quality of the podcast, your content, the sound quality, all that's yeah. important. But I mean, we've seen podcasts get successful and they were doing it over Zoom, you know, but it's because they were being who they were um, and, uh, and they were being consistent. So I think those are the two keys. There's probably more, but those are the ones I see most consistently. 
you hear a lot, and I know this is something that I got told when I started a podcast, as you always hear, there's so many podcasts. How do you think you're going to be successful? Mm-hmm. There's saturation, blah, 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 blah. I think it can be daunting if you allow that to stop you. But I also feel like, and I'm stealing this quote from uh, one of my other guests, but it's like a rising tide lifts all boats. I truly believe that there is room for everyone. So if someone's feels overwhelmed by getting into this space or really wants to start a podcast, but they feel like there's so many, what advice would you give them on going for it or overcoming that lack mindset? I, um, yeah, there's like 2 million podcasts right now. And uh, so when you do get in there, it's like, well, I'm just another fish in the sea, right? Mm-hmm. But um, how many burger places are there? How many uh, different brands of water is there? You know, there how many different, there's, there's something for everybody out there, right? And so um, another important thing, so this may be key number four would be to uh, really find your niche, right? So like, I think what you're doing here is really cool. You're talking about you or your personal journey. You're interviewing entrepreneurs. You've kind of niched down, right? Mm-hmm. You're not just talking about what Kim Kardashian did last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that that's not important. We do that. Let me do that. You can talk about this important stuff. Um, He's kidding. But uh, I, um, you know, I, I think that if you really focus in on people that um, that are looking for your content yeah. and you'll find them they'll and they'll be there, then it doesn't matter that, you know, I, I don't really listen to Joe Rogan, but he's the number one podcaster mm-hmm. in the world right now. Um, but I like listening to a lot of like, you know, smaller comedians or things like that. So there's something for everybody. So yeah. um, especially with the internet, you see people out there making money, just, you know, doing weird hobbies or, you know, they did like a side hustle and, you know, there's a, like, I know a person who's a candle maker and there's a bajillion candle makers. You go to Target, there's a whole yeah. three aisles worth of candles. And this person started a candle business and they're super successful because they found their niche. They found, mm-hmm. you know, the people that they're trying to sell to. They, maybe they have a little a bit of an angle to how they're doing their candles that attracts people. But so don't let the number stop you because people have been also, here's another fact, even though there's 2 million podcasts, I think they're saying that there's only a couple hundred thousand that are actually active. Yep. I don't know if that's a true. You might want to Google that, yeah. but uh, fact check that. I don't want you to get pulled for uh, false, uh, you know, facts on your <laughs> slander show. Slander, yeah, for slander. slander. <laughs> uh, but you know, two hundred thousand are actually active because people go in thinking they're going to be the next Joe yep. Rogan, and then they do six months and then they pull out. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I wouldn't look at the numbers. I wouldn't think, oh, there's too much. I think everyone should have a podcast because, again, uh, I'm stealing this from uh, Gary V because I am Michael Z. Uh, but, but everybody is a media company. Every business is a media company. Like you have content is King right now. Mm -hmm. And so podcast is just a good way of creating content every week that you can use for your social media platforms, for blogs, for all these different things. You can repurpose it a million different ways. So, um, if you're trying to grow your following, whatever you're doing or trying to grow your business, you have to put out content and a podcast is a good way to do that. So again, doesn't matter that you don't get a million views. A hundred listens or a hundred views is just as good because they're focused on your content and they're coming back every mm-hmm. week and that's fine. So uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a long-winded answer, but I think that everyone should have a podcast. Everyone should, like everyone had a blog Yeah, and it was important. So, but I think podcasts are even more important. And everyone has an Instagram. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was Gary V or this- Or Michael so, Z. Or Michael Z that posted <laughs> this, but they were talking about, the quote was, or the saying was that 
successful people rarely create something new. They create something that was better. That's better than what was before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with anything that you're doing. Just because Sally is doing the exact same thing as you doesn't mean that you can't do the same thing she's doing, but just do it better. Right. And I feel like that just kicks any any type of scarcity mindset. And even for me personally, like anytime I get into this place of like lack or I don't know if I can make in this space or whatever it is, whatever is going on in my mind. I'm like, there's your, I mean, Jeff Bezos is a great example. Like he was literally a librarian. Like he was reselling books mm-hmm. and look at him now. Now there have Thursday night football. There's doing all these things. Like he just did something better than what every other person was doing and created a multi-billion dollar company. So I think bringing it back to podcasting and whatever you're out there doing or thinking about doing, as long as you're going in with the right intention the success and everything will come in terms of that waiting period. And this is advice for myself. I think we're taught and we're told for that instant gratification. I talked about this on an earlier episode. What would you tell yourself? Obviously you've been doing this for 16 years and you didn't make money early on Mm -hmm. and now you're profiting from the podcast. What would you tell yourself during that journey of just hanging on to it until you start to see those rewards. Although I know it is something that you're doing as a hobby, I'm sure it's rewarding to now be making money from all the things that you Yeah. I mean the there's work you put in. There's been times where I did stop for a little bit. Yeah. Um and uh to keep me going. It wasn't I never saw it as like I, I wanted to make money from it, right? Necessarily it was just something again like I had to do. But yeah. um I don't know. I just felt like um you know I've always had this deathbed mentality type situation where I don't ever want to be laying on my deathbed and thinking about all the things that I should have done mm-hmm. or like maybe if I didn't stop doing the show, who could I have talked to? Who could I have, you know, what kind of bits could I have done? What kind of jokes could I have, you know, all these yeah. kind of things. And, uh, so that's kind of what got me restarted again. And this iteration of the show, we've done like three iterations of the show. This iteration of the show is the longest running iteration because I'd never wanted to stop. Like I've stopped before and I didn't like it. And then yeah. I thought, well, if somebody comes to town, I want to talk to him, whatever. I don't have a platform. So we've started, you know, uh, back in I don't know, 2015, 2014, this new iteration, and we haven't stopped. So um, if I was going back and telling my younger self, maybe when he was burnt out, yeah. and I, I, there was a part where I thought that I had said everything I wanted to say, right? Uh-huh. Um, and that's why I also stopped. I'm like, I've done, I've, I've said everything, I've, I've commented on everything there is to comment on, and I'm done. I would say, just keep doing it. Because you're going to regret not doing it mm-hmm. more than you regret doing it right now. You know, sometimes it was hard, but I would I would go back and tell them just keep doing it. Advice for monetizing our podcast: How did you know that it was time to monetize? Was there a certain point, or for people out there listening that are going through that phase of trying to monetize a podcast, what advice would you give them? So uh, this question gets asked a lot, and I would say it's not so. Like we make money uh, off affiliates, we make money off of ads. And then um, we also have done like some uh, sponsored shows in the past. Um, And so that's kind of what we do. And so that's what anybody can do, but you kind of have to be in it for a while. And we had, Mm -hmm. you know, we've made connections over the years and stuff like that. So we kind of got some good kickbacks and stuff. But um, I wouldn't look at, especially now because there are so many podcasts, you're not going to get a millions and millions millions of listeners every week. It's just not going to happen unless you're like a a huge celebrity or shows really, you know, got a lot of press behind it or something. Um, so I would look at it as a way to, and I think you can monetize with, even if you have 20 people, right. Um, I would look at it not from the advertisement standpoint of, 
you know, placing ads and dynamic insertion and all that stuff. I would look at it as, all right, how can I bring these people back and offer them a service? So your podcast is not the actual thing that makes money. It brings it in, I guess, in a, in a way. It's an advertisement revenue thing. Elaborate. So if you, so if I'm putting out, it's a marketing tool, the podcast. Okay. I think you should look at it like that. So let's say I'm an individual and let's say I have, I'm not selling anything necessarily, um, but let's say I have, you know, let's say I make uh, bottle openers and I start a, a bottle opener podcast or yeah. whatever. The podcast may only get, you know, a hundred people a, a week listening, uh-huh. but they're dedicated listeners. They come in every week. And when I, if I can go to advertisers, but the problem with advertisers these days too, is especially in our culture, they kind of can dictate the, the, they can dictate the content. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I don't have full freedom to do whatever I want to do. So what I would do instead is I would start either coming up with my own sort of package of bottle openers or instructions on how to make bottle openers or whatever, and then uh, use my podcast as a tool to go back in and sell those to the podcast. So even though you have a hundred listeners, you're monetizing it, you're selling a package for 99 bucks, you know, oh, that's I what see I would what you're do. saying. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, okay. it was a long way to get there, but that's, okay. that's what I would do. And a lot of people, so when, during the pandemic, um, I mean, I already, I only knew what I knew just from my personal experience, yeah. right? So I went on a, an app called Clubhouse, which was a big app during the pandemic and would jump into podcast rooms. And I would listen to people all over the world talk about how they're monetizing their podcast. And 99% of the people that were monetizing weren't doing it through ads. They were doing it through affiliates. They were doing it through selling a product and they were using the podcast as a net. Mm-hmm. So that's, how I would do it these days, especially with, uh, again, that you don't want to have somebody over you saying, you can't say this, you can't say that because it's your creation. So I'm very careful. We don't, we don't do a lot of, we have like some, some, you know, insertion ads here and there, but, um, I'm very careful of like not having anybody sponsor the show because I want to do what I want to do. I want to say what I want to say and do what I want to do without somebody dictating that. So that's what I would caution people to do is stay away from, advertisement, you yeah. know, big sponsorships if you can and use and, and just think outside the box and figure out a way to bring it back. Another good way to do it is Patreon. So maybe you do mm. uh, like a month, you're, you have fans that are listening to your show, tell them to spend 20 bucks a month and they get maybe the video of your show, the full video. Maybe they get uh, to join in a live. A lot of that stuff, building that community up is how you can monetize using your own fans and no one's telling you what to do. So those are the ways that I've seen people really monetize their podcast and build it long-term versus trying to get a three-month gig with Pepsi. You know what I mean? And then Pepsi says, you can't talk about this anymore. And then three months later, Pepsi pulls their contract because it's, expi- or it's expired or whatever. Yeah. And then now you're making no money again. So I think using what you have and building that base and kind of, um, like I said, using the podcast as a net is a good way to monetize your podcast. He was the first person when I did my episode about like launching a business, he I remember I came into the studio. He's giving me feedback on just the podcast, things that I was doing really well at and opportunities. And one thing he really drove home was community and just building a network of people that are super loyal, even if it is 50 people or 100 people or 200 people and really leveraging that audience. How do people build that community, especially when you're small and you're just starting to grow? Because a lot of and this is for me too they're not the loudest listeners Mm -hmm. like they're always there every week but i'm not hearing shouting voices of like we want this or we want this so a lot of it is and almost 100 of it is like intuitively drawn like whatever i'm craving the people that i'm craving to listen to it just kind of comes to me um but what would you tell someone trying to build a community of where to start and then how to continue to grow that 
So um, I think just again goes back to being authentic yeah. with your with your show because it, that's what's going to attract the initial people, um, and then I think giving people sort of a sense of uh, ownership in your podcast. So getting them to to interact with it, to engage mm-hmm. with it, whether that's like hey, asking them to be a part of a poll, uh, give us uh, you know your worst work experience, we'll talk about it. Maybe even invite some of them on the show. Um, so they feel like they're a part of it. Yeah. And I think that's where that's where you start to build that community. Um, and then how you find that community, though, again, I'm going to go back to social media, yeah, yeah. is posting that, but posting very, like, who you're trying to attract. You're posting that content, but being very real about it. My show, we're not very real, right? We're just, I mean, we're as real as we are in, in real life, I guess, but we're not like, uh, we're no one's sitting there talking about their problems every day. We're trying yeah. to be more of an escape from reality. So. Uh, a lot of the things that I've done over the years, I don't tell people to do because it's not going to help you grow very fast, especially in this, in this, uh, you know, podcast world we live in now. Um, so the things that I'm learning, I wish I learned 16 years ago, and this is the stuff that I'm preaching to people now. So don't yeah. I made all the mistakes so other people don't have to. So being real, being authentic, posting, being active on social media, encouraging your your listeners to engage with you, that's really going to help you grow that community and be uh, they're going to be there for you. Like when you're talking about your work experience and what what just happened, people I'm reached out to you, yeah, you know, because they're part of your life now, and and that you're you're a part of theirs. They listen to you every week, yeah. So, um, but giving them that sense of ownership, I think, too, is very important as well. Social media has changed so fast, and you've seen content go from Instagram bloggers blew up, and then it was TikTok, and there's these TikTokers. You've seen podcasts taking off. From your perspective, where do you think the content space is going? Do you think podcasts are continued to be big, or where do you see it going in the future? I um I've had this discussion a lot the past couple of years because I personally think um, podcasts as we know it. And I'm starting. We're starting to see it. I said this about two years ago. Podcasts that we know it are starting to decline. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really talking about audio only, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that kind of thing. Um, there's a stat that just came out recently that showed that you know Apple used to be king. Mm-hmm. That was the pot. You could listen to podcasts. It's on Apple. Well, then uh, you know Spotify came around. Spotify was number two. Now Apple's number two. Spotify's number three. You want to guess what number one is? You YouTube. Do. So YouTube for podcasts is the YouTube's most- always been the biggest. It's yeah. wild. And so, uh, but for podcasts in particular, it's the biggest place to listen to it uh, or to watch really. Yeah. Uh, because you can think about it. If you're at work and you're listening yeah. to a podcast, you can just type in you know the YouTube address, whatever, click the little link and you minimize the screen and you continue to work or they can watch it. People like to watch. Um, so I do, I do think podcasts as we know it is uh, going to die off um, because especially as our- Attention spans get shorter and shorter. People want smaller and smaller content and be entertained quicker and quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to say this like two, three years ago when someone would send me a six-minute video to watch, I would get very offended <laughs> because I'd be like, "How di- does this person think I sit around all day just doing nothing like I'm a bum somewhere? So I have six minutes of time to watch this video. I would get very offended. Like this is all in my head. I wouldn't tell them that, yeah. but I would just, that would be my initial reaction. And, uh, and then now it's like if somebody sends me a three and a half minute video, I think that now, you know, like three minutes yeah. is okay back two, three years ago. Now it's like, oh, how much time do you think I have? Do you think I'm just sitting around all day? Like I'm, I got things to do. I don't have time to watch a three minute video. So uh, I think shorter and shorter content. I think it's very important for podcasts. And I preach this all the time everywhere I go to, to really find those micro moments in their content 
and push them out. You may not, you may see your listeners start to decline, but you're going to see your social viewers. We had a, a clip that we posted the other day that was, uh, it was just a stupid trivia thing that we did. And I think it got like 500 or 600,000 views on TikTok. And it was so dumb. It was a dumb moment. <laughs> but more people watched that small clip than listened to the episode. And guess what? That's okay. That's totally okay. Yeah. Everything's shifting. People want to be entertained visually. They want to be entertained um, you know, as quick as possible. So there's highlights that we do during the show that I really, really, really uh, want people to see that if they don't listen, they're not going to be able to see it or really inter interact with it. So yeah. I cut those moments out. And we push those online so people can enjoy it. And that's okay. I don't care if those people never listen to the podcast. So I think that's uh, sort of a mindset that we have to kind of start changing. Oh, my listeners are going down. Okay, so what? Your socials are going up. Your video views are going up. That's what you want. It goes back to your podcast had many iterations. I think when you launch anything, it's just like a business. As technology, you've seen technology go... I mean, organizations that were doing everything on paper now have computers. I mean, we've just seen over every decade things start to move and progress especially with how fast we're progressing now i mean even with me it's like i had a chocolate and now i have an iphone and everyone has an iphone when when i was 10 no one had an iphone it's just right. crazy to see i think it's hard for some people to pivot and change although i think that is where you kind of die off it's it, when you're not relevant anymore it's because you're not keeping up with the times or when you see a lot of big entrepreneurs like Gary Vee is huge on TikTok and all this so stuff. is Michael Z I heard I yeah. don't, I've never I don't follow him but yeah yeah uh and I think it just goes to show that if they're not on social media you feel like you're behind and a lot of my entrepreneurs and the people that I interview I mean obviously Michael has a podcast but it's not like you're 500,000 right. followers on Instagram and all this stuff but it right. doesn't mean that you're not successful or you're not getting those views for people who are maybe stuck with numbers mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, it's not growing or my Instagram following isn't going. What would you tell them to do to either evaluate where they currently are to change or what's that like self-awareness check of, Hey, this is maybe a you problem versus an internet problem. Yeah. I would, um, I always tell people to listen to themselves Every episode, you should listen to it. Most people will not do that because they don't like the sound of their voice or they didn't like the episode. Uh, we've had some very cringe episodes where I thought I was awful at it. I only judge myself. I don't listen. To, I don't <laughs> judge anybody else on the show. But um, but I'll force myself to listen to. It. I listen to every show probably to this day, still probably three or four times while I'm driving. I'll listen to it, and I'm always listening to see what I can do better. Even at this mm -hmm. length of time, we've been I've been doing this. Uh, I always listen to what can I do to improve. What am I doing that um, uh, could be, you know, could be better? What am I doing that I don't like? And I make note of that and I try to fix it the next week or the next week or the next week. So definitely listening to your podcast or, or your on-demand content over and over and over is going to be very, very helpful for you. Um, and then just get listener feedback. Have your friends give you feedback on it, you know, and, uh, and don't be afraid to experiment. A lot of people will go in and they'll watch Joe Rogan or they'll watch their favorite podcast or listen to it and they'll try to emulate that format mm -hmm. and maybe that format's not for you. Yeah. One thing I hate so much is when people try to carbon copy something they've heard before um, because the great thing about podcasting is there's no rules, right? You yeah. can do whatever you want. want. You can do whatever format you want and so maybe the format's just not working. You're Maybe you're too uh, structured. Maybe you just need to make it more loose. Maybe you need to be more structured because it's too loose. Uh, maybe that helps you stay on time better. Maybe that helps you segment your 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 bits better, um, or your topics. So 
all of those things I would tell somebody who's struggling right now, uh, get someone to listen to it. You listen to it. And then, you know, um, just play around with something different. Maybe you need, maybe you're just a show that just talks random topics and maybe you need like dedicated segments, right? Maybe you need mm-hmm. like what happened this week? What, what crazy thing happened in the news today? And maybe that'll help bring listeners in, make it, make it easier to listen to, maybe easier to watch. Maybe you do more visual elements if you're more of a visual podcast. I don't know. I, I think those are all things I would try, but I definitely think for the most part, it's always going to be a you problem before it's an internet problem. It's always going to be something that you can tweak, right? That's all I always think of. I don't blame the internet. I blame myself all the time if something's not going right. And so I'm like, well, what could we do to make this better? If I feel good about it and nobody listens to it, I still feel good. I feel like we did everything yeah. we could. But nine times out of 10, if something didn't hit like I wanted to hit, what did we do bad? Did we not promote it properly? Did we not, was it not engaging enough? You know, there's all, you can always come back and you can always tweak and fix something. You mentioned something which I am my biggest critic and I this is something my mom tells me all the time my friends tell me like you're way too hard on yourself and you kind of just alluded to that with what can I do better and it's always a me problem and I know I even noticed this when I got laid off my job like I would never blame them and mom's like I don't necessarily know if that's healthy if you're always taking the blames right for, it's definitely but, not yeah but it it's almost easier because I think when you're blaming other people a it's the victim mindset. It's like, okay, this isn't my fault. I don't think that's productive for anyone else involved. But I also feel like in instances where I have blamed other people, it always kind of comes back to bite me because then they're the ones arguing. And so it's like, I would just rather not deal with that energy. I'll take the blame. We digress. I need to work on that. But you and I had an off uh, podcasting or an off mic conversation about complacency mm-hmm. and how you are someone that will get to a place and you are happy with where you are so you'll stay complacent which Mm -hmm. i think kind of contradicts in a little bit in a sense of how can i always do better Mm -hmm. elaborate a little bit more on that topic for the audience because i think maybe it's a balance for you of like i'm always trying to be better and up until a certain point or do you feel like it's just more in your personality to get yourself financially to a place and then you're i think it's just uh just where you are in life so like what i so like, for instance, like the show, right? The show is something I'm always trying to make better. Mm-hmm. Um, always, even when I, even, you know, when I, in a complacent mode, but uh, be, it's because I'm doing the show every week. So I'm complacent. Yeah. I go, I have my little stuff I like to do. I go to my little restaurants. I have all my little stuff. I'm Yo complacent. Lobster. My Yo Lobster. If you I'm want to sponsor this podcast, yeah. <laughs> let us know. I'll send it to the manager. I'll send this clip <laughs> over there too. Um, but uh, yeah, so like in life, I get very complacent where I'm at. My routine is very, I'm very complacent in that. Uh, But what I am passionate about or my art, I'm always trying to make better. Um, So yeah, it's more of a life complacency than a project complacency. I'm never complacent with a project. I'm always trying to figure it out. I'm always self-analyzing what could we, you know, or or analyzing the project, what could we have done better. Um, But so complacency though has been a big problem with me in life because I wouldn't have this studio if it wasn't for other people pushing me around. Mm-hmm. And this is what it kind of goes back to what we first started talking about is like, you have to wait for those moments because I'll reach a, a level where I'm like, you know, I didn't have a studio for many years. I didn't think I was going to really have one. It wasn't like top of mind. I yeah. wasn't like, all right, I'm going to have a studio no matter what. I'm gonna, it, Whether it kills me or not, I'm going to have a studio. That was never my attitude. I never looked around for, uh, you know, pl- buildings to put a studio in. Never. Um, it was that guy, a, a buddy of mine saw that we were doing the show because I was following my passion, right? Yeah. He said, why don't you have the studio over here? And by have, he means pay me uh, <laughs> a lot of money for rent, way too much. Um, but I did it. And I'm like, and again, 
I get to a risk factor, right? Like a, a flag goes off. I'm like, well, what if I can't pay the rent? What if something happens? What if I get sick? You know, I always think about things you don't like think, that. You don't, since I met you, you seem very pro risk. Like, I feel like that guy giving you that opportunity was a sign and you easily could have been like, no, I'm not going to do this, but you took the risk. So I feel like there's a part of you, maybe it's the entrepreneurial side of you. That's like, you get complacent to an extent, but then if there's an opportunity that is presented to you, you're not going to say no. Nowadays. Because I had to go through all of that. But before, like when we first got the studio, I'm like, oh, and I was stressing, waking up in the middle of the night because I got to sign a lease, a year lease. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen in a year. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive in a year. That's what I'm thinking, right? And so um, what I've realized as I've gotten older and, and, and taken these risks and realized that I still landed on my feet yeah. all the time, even if things didn't really work out how I thought it was going to work out, um, then I'm more okay with taking risks. And so now I'm not as complacent anymore. Um you know, the studio it was kind of a, a passive thing for the past, since the pandemic kind of a thing because, you know, we were working on some other stuff. And uh, this year I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of just kind of um, watching, you know, just like passively managing the studio. I want to get more actively involved. And we came back in, I don't know, April to, to start adding new services and doing new things, upgrading some stuff here in the studio. And, you know, that kind of... um dedication to it i guess has increased our revenue mm -hmm. two or three times where it used to be this time last year wow um all that stuff so like i know what i can control now i know i, I guess i'm more confident now in, in in taking risks yeah than i was back then but if it wasn't for people that would see what i was doing and offered me little opportunities and me just like scary you know i'm very scared and i say yes but i do it anyway um I, we wouldn't be here today because this isn't something that I manifested or envisioned or anything like that. And we talked about manifestation. Before. I, that's where we're going next. Uh, we so you were oh, reading yeah. my mind. <laughs> yeah, I manifested that. Um, but it wasn't anything that I manifested. It was just like things that just happened to fall into place. An idea that I had when I was a little kid talking on my little Bugs Bunny microphone back in the day. And now here we are sitting in a studio that I never thought I would have. But it, it wasn't because I, you know, set out a roadmap. It's because sometimes opportunities come and hit you. And they force you into certain situations. We were kind of forced into this studio, by the way. Uh, if it was up to me, again, complacency mode, we would have been at this rinky-dink studio down the street where we were for the first, I don't know, three or four years, three years or so, four years. Um, and if it wasn't for situations that happened at that studio that were outside of my control, we wouldn't be here. And we had to make some big risks to come here, and we did it. But it happened because situations and people pushed for this to happen. So, um, yeah, I don't. I, I just complacency is not something that I. It, it's a big issue with me anymore. Yeah, I feel like um, it's not. But I mean, I still have. I'm still very risk averse on some certain things. You know, if I don't understand it all the way, but I know myself enough now, and I'm confident enough in a lot of my abilities to know that okay, if this thing goes down, I know I can do this, or if this thing happens, I can do this. So I feel like uh, the studio has also helped me make make me a little bit more future-proof in a sense. If that yeah. makes sense? I don't know. I'm speaking very intellectually today and I don't, I don't normally do this, so I apologize if- uh, There's a side of Michael that I feel like if you listen uh, to his podcast, but once you get him going on the business side, and that's why I asked that question because I feel like when you first told me that you were someone that was complacent, I couldn't see that side of you because I feel like b just based off of our conversations, again, I haven't known you for forever, but I feel like you're willing to take risks, which I think is the opposite of complacency. I feel like people who are complacent are completely risk adverse. And if an opportunity was to present itself, they're no. 
looking back on we're just going to use the guy that came to you and offered you a studio. If there's someone that's going through something right now and there's an opportunity that's presented to them that's scary and they're unsure of the outcome, but they feel that kind of you know, voice in their head, what advice would you give your younger self during that time on taking the leap into that opportunity, even if you have no idea where it's going to lead you? Um, I just think that uh, if you have that little voice inside you telling you to do whatever it is you're going to do and you're scared to do it, you should just do it because, again, it goes back to that deathbed mentality. You're going to wish that you did do it, yeah. and now it's too late. And I, every time I've followed that little voice, that little voice, every time it's always worked out. So I would go back and be like, it's going to be okay. Nothing's ever going to be that you know, disastrous where you're never going to recover or you're never going to. It's always going to be okay, especially if every time I've listened to that voice, it's always worked out 100% of the time. I can't explain it. I don't know how. It just always has. Spirituality. I know you recently have gotten our manifestation. There's been, there's one situation I know, or a, a girl that talked, gave an instance of like the manifestation that you told me about, mm -hmm. which was like not really manifestation. Right. How do you feel as you've gotten older that your mindset or your opinion on spirituality or believing in a higher power manifestation, all of that has changed? Um, so my whole thing on manifestation, I'm not a big fan of man. Like I was, I always. Uh, I feel like you are because I think maybe I'm getting there and I just don't know it yet. I don't know because you're believing in something. I feel like that little voice is like trusting in yourself, and yeah. it's like a higher power kind of giving that yeah, to you yeah, and yeah. trusting your intuition. I think that's true. Um, I think how some people look at manifestation though is like I thought about it, like I want to get a car, and then I walked outside and guess what was there? A car dealership. <laughs> And then I bought a car and I manifested it. Not like, no, you didn't. You just bought a car. Like you didn't manifest anything. So I think the way people, a lot of people use manis yeah. manifestation now is, uh, is incorrect. I think, I think maybe if, if manifestation is listening to that voice, your intuition, all of that stuff, um, then maybe that is right. Yeah. But I think listening to that voice, whatever it is, I don't know. It might be my, might just be a survival instinct that says, Hey, you need to do this or, you know, sub something subconscious. I don't know. But every time I've listened to it, it's always paid off. A good example is the young you that thought you would have a podcast studio, but mm -hmm. that was never something that was in your conscious mind. But when there was an opportunity that presented itself and you took the action, it came to fruition. I feel like that's what a lot of people, and I'm no manifestation a guru. I'm going to have someone on this podcast that can talk a lot about that. But I feel like it's more of when you're actively thinking about something and then an opportunity presents itself, you're acting on it. I feel like that's when those manifestations really come to fruition. I know I gave the example of San Diego, but it's like, I was just having those conversations and even the yoga retreat that I'm going on. Like I was literally just texting my friend Jen for the past 24 hours about going on a yoga retreat. And I just happened to walk into a yoga class where my favorite teacher in this class was talking about how she was going to Tulum in eight weeks. And the irony of that whole situation, I was like, the opportunity is right in front of me. Like if this is not a sign that this is exactly where I needed to go. And I had wrote down two months prior that I wanted to go on a yoga retreat. So I feel like that's what is manifestation. But I think what a lot of people leave out was that like, I'd have the financial ability to go on this trip. And kind of like to your point with a car, it's like you didn't just go walk in and buy yourself a car without having the financial. So I feel like it's the action part that a lot of people fall back on. It's like if you're not taking the action to produce a podcast or sit down and record it, it's not just magically going to appear on Apple and Spotify. Yeah, that's true. And you know what else is funny? Back when I was a little kid, there wasn't a thing called podcasts, yeah. right? And I knew I wanted to have a studio, but I knew it. 
I didn't want a music studio. I didn't know that podcasts were going to be a yeah. thing. When I was in high school, I would sit around in a little studio with friends and we would we would do a podcast before a podcast. And then all of a sudden podcast got big and now yeah. I have a studio. So it's just, there, I think there is something to it. There's something out there that is doing you know something because I had that idea when I was a little kid, but I knew it wasn't going to be music. And then this, we, I get to do what I used to play around and do as a kid all yeah. my life, really. And, uh, and I do that for a living now. So it's, it is something which I didn't, again, I didn't manifest. Well, maybe I did. I don't know. <laughs> I'm very confused with the whole manifestation thing. <laughs> oh, I need to have someone on. My mom kind of said the same thing when I was home. She's like, I always told you to bring a, be a sports broadcaster. I'm like, I'm doing it in a different sense now. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't necessarily think that that was my calling, like to be the next Aaron Andrews of uh, the sports world, but I'm doing the same thing similarly, just mm -hmm. in a different format. So it's kind of funny how those things that you're doing or you're told that you're going to do when you're young always come out in a different way, even if it's not in the ideal format that you had in mind. Yeah. Trusting the plan. Trusting the plan or that little voice. That's in front of you, which is hard. And you always give really good advice. And I kind of want to uh, wrap this up a little bit with business. Cause I know we talk a lot about starting your own business. And obviously you have this studio taking the leap into entrepreneurship or doing your own thing is hard and challenging. Just like you going out and having the studio or taking your friend, the opportunity in front of you with your friend for someone out there that wants to go out and do their own thing are there things about yourself or things you've seen with other successful entrepreneurs that you want to give the audience advice on? Um, so just like overall like skills yeah. or things. So I would think reading is super important. I would try to read. I was actually um, doing an event the other day and one of the guys, uh, he goes, you're in a very, uh, you're, he said, you're in a very, uh, very impressive young man is what he said. And I paid him, <laughs> I paid him to say that. But no, he, he was talking. bucks. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was an advertisement. Uh, and, uh, or marketing or something like that. Uh, and we were having a discussion and yeah. we were, uh, uh, he was giving me advice and some stuff and I was giving him advice and stuff. And he goes, well, one thing I can tell you in all the years that I've been in business and he's probably, I don't know, sixties or something. He goes, you always read. And I go, I do. I try to read a book a month. That's the time I have. I don't have a whole lot of time to, yeah. to read, but I try to read a book a month, uh, always on business and developing some sort of skill. Um, or strengthening a skill. Yeah. Um, I think being organized and being a self-starter, some people aren't like that. Like I'm lazy by nature, um, but if I didn't have this crazy drive to create, then I would just be in bed all day or watch Netflix. But I, there's this drive that gets me up, but I still have to make a list of everything I need to get done tomorrow. Yeah. I got to scratch it off. I, like, I love checklists and to-do lists. Um, so I think being organized, figure out what works for you. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, just... Don't procrastinate too much because you can put stuff off too much, and then you're like, "Hey, I want to start this. I want to start this business," and then you never get to it. Now it's four or five years down the road. Now you have a kid. Now you're getting married, and now it's like a little bit more risky to take the the risk. Just do it. If it doesn't yeah. work out, it doesn't work out. You know, be smart about it. Um, I wouldn't throw your whole life savings into something, but uh, start small. You don't have to start off. That's another thing. People start off. They take a huge loan out. They start a business. And you're like, did you really have to do that? Do it yeah. that way though? You could just start a little bit smaller. So, um, you know, manage it in, in small bites, I think is the best way to do it. And just start small and kind of grow up from there. We started very small. We started with, I think the the equipment, we had like $7,000 worth of equipment. And uh, it was a very tiny, it was like a shoebox room. It was smaller than this room here. And that was the entire studio. And uh you know, we started that, we stayed there for three, four years and then we grew from there. So I think just starting small, 
Uh, don't beat yourself up because you're not where you want to be in six months. Again, even that goes with podcasting. Don't beat yourself up if you're not getting the listenership that you want in six months and just keep on going. If you, if you enjoy it, keep going. I had a conversation. I'll give you this little tidbit. Uh, I had a conversation twice with two different people, same day, and I was telling them that they need to pursue their passion, whatever that was. We were having this conversation and uh, one person um, didn't know what they're passionate about. I'm like, yes, you do. Everyone knows what they're passionate about. You like traveling. You like food. Yeah. So make a blog, make a make a, a video about it or whatever, you know, and start doing, try to figure out a way to monetize your passion because you can now with the internet. Yeah. You couldn't do this 20 years ago. Yeah. And then later that day, I was talking to a, a, a server at a restaurant who is a photographer. And I'm like, well, why don't you monetize that? Why don't you take the photos of this place that you work at and, and do... And the question came up, well, what happens if I uh, don't like it anymore because now it's a business and it's a job? Which is, a, And I got that same question from both people, yeah. same day. And I always say, well, at that point, you freelance it out. You pay somebody else to do the part you don't like. So if your thing is you like taking pictures of scenery, but you're getting customers that are wanting to take pictures of uh, you know food for restaurants or whatever mm-hmm. well then you sublet that out you take a percentage of it and you keep going but you're still and you still have the time and money to create what you want to create so don't burn yourself out on your passion just figure out how to get other people to do the stuff you don't like so I guess I would end with with that it's actually really funny that you said that because I've gotten on here before and I talked to someone about it. they're like what's one of your biggest concerns with like reaching out, getting ads, growing this, whatever it is. And my whole thing was like, I never wanted to lose my love for podcasting. It's kind of like you doing the show. Like I genuinely love coming into the studio. You two have become some of my good friends. Like I just love everything about it. I love everyone that I've met. I just feel like I've created something that I am so proud of, even if it's not at the financial, the dollar sign numbers. And so it's funny that you said that because even for me, I mean, there's some things that I don't like doing. Most of it that I don't like doing, I'm not good at. You guys handle for me. So I do have that balance, but I do think it's a super important reminder. And even for myself of like, as long as you're passionate about the overarching thing and you can get rid of some of those maybe tasks that you're not interested in. But I also think on the contrary to this, I think there's no job that you're going to 100% love. And Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. Yeah. Like I, again, I don't like prepping for my show sometimes. Yeah. Like it's daunting. Yeah. And I'll wait till the very last minute or sometimes I don't do it at all. Um, but I love doing the show. Yeah. Um, but it, it is also important for me to prep some of the stuff. So I have to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's not going to stop me from, it's, I'm not going to hate my show or my passion because, you know, I, I have to prep. That's yeah. just being lazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think if there's something you don't like, like, you know, you don't like editing your own show, you pay some, an editor to do it. You don't like cutting up reels, pay an editor to do it. Uh, you don't like writing your summaries on your um, episode sure, deals yeah. or whatever, pay somebody to do it. There's other things you can do and still focus in on what you want to do. And then you're making money from it. If you start a business and like I said, you're like making jars, but you don't like making vases for whatever reason, well then bring in an intern to make the the other stuff that you don't want to do. You know what I mean? There's ways around yeah. it. You can never get, if you play it right, you're never going to get burnt out ever. I like that. I've never heard that one before. Uh, it's because I'm Michael Z. If you follow me on that. <laughs> it's because I'm Michael Z. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Two final questions for you. The one I asked is one earlier, but what does success look like for you? And how has that changed uh, through your 20s and through your 30s? It's funny because somebody asked me uh, a question the other day of uh, how much would it take to make you feel like you've made it? That's what they asked me. What's and your I, answer? I said, there's no amount because I already feel like I've made it. I get to oh. get up every day. 
I get to, you know, I've got money in the bank, right? Um, I can kind of do what I want to do from time to time. You know, I can fly. I mean, I'm always working and, and doing stuff. Um, but I get to wake up every day and work on creative endeavors with people that are with, with fellow creators, I should say. Um, I get to work on my project to help people out. Other people um, get to write skits and bits and yeah. stuff for me. And like, I get to do the things that I want to do every single day. So I've already made it. That's so I'm already, I already feel like I'm successful. Um, I've never been money driven. So like, and if you asked me this question, even in like my teens, I would have, I would have probably said, I don't know, being able to do whatever I want to do and when I want to do it, which is this, I guess at that point, I wouldn't know it was this at that point, but it's this. So yeah, I'm already successful to me. That's success. Wow. The contentment. I've also never heard that answer. I was expecting you to give like $20 million. Oh no, I couldn't care less. If I don't, if I never made a million dollars in my whole life, never had a million dollars in the bank, wouldn't, couldn't care less because I still get to, as long as I have this studio or the show and maybe, and you know what, maybe in 10 years, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe I want to do something else. And so I'll figure out what that success looks like. And I'll do that from, you know, at that time. But at this point, success is this for me and I'm doing it. Wow. Well, that's all she wrote. Kids. I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> that's such an interesting answer. I was not expecting that for you. Even for me. I mean, I also think, and this is literally my intention for September. So it's ironic that we're recording this on the first day, but mine is like being present because I'm always looking towards that next thing. And I feel like that's always been my mindset, like the yoga retreat moving. Uh, it's always the next, the next, the next, the next. I'm like, when are you ever just going to be in the now? Like you're never going to have this day. You're never going to have this, maybe, hopefully not. You're never going to have this time where you don't have a job. So stop trying to hustle for the next job offer or pursue other things and just allow yourself to truly be in the here and the now yep because it's never going to be this moment ever again mm -hmm. i really had that light bulb moment. <laughs> yeah and i think for you that's very important because you are a go 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 person yeah and i think that you just need to you need a woosah and you need to just kind of <laughs> what the hell? i think that's from a movie this is where you rub your earlobes or something. I don't know. But it's like a meditation thing, I think. I don't know. <laughs> it's I'm not probably something that's like rated R. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I think I think it's I think it's definitely G. Because I think the movie was PG. Um, but uh, it's basically just relaxing mm -hmm. and enjoying now. Have fun and and enjoy this time. Like I had the best time during COVID. I didn't have we didn't have the studio open. We were still doing our show through Zoom. Yeah. And uh, I was at home and I got to do the things I wanted to do. And I had the greatest time. I enjoyed the moment because I knew there was, it wasn't going to necessarily happen again. And yeah. maybe not in our lifetime. Right. So I enjoyed what I, the pandemic, I didn't get COVID. Uh, every, luckily a lot of my friends and family, nobody got sick or, or, or died. And uh, I just enjoyed that moment because it was, it wasn't going to happen again. Hopefully not. And uh, I think that's where you're at now in life. And yeah. I think that you should, you should just kind of relax and, enjoy the enjoy the now as you say it's funny too because i feel like the people that have i've attracted into my life all have that energy like my old coworkers were very much like that my mentors like that you're like that a lot of my friends are like that and so it's because people are like oh you attract the energy that you give out but i almost feel like the energy that i feel like i'm giving out or the, the energy that I feel internally is like this sense of urgency, but then I'm attracting these people that are like, just, it, you, it's only in this moment. Like, you know what it is? It's because you're sitting on an SOS and we, we, we smell the, the blood in the water. We're coming to help. That's what it is. You know what I mean? You're sitting at like a, a, a flare. Hey, I need help. <laughs> I'm stressed out. And so we're all coming in to help. And, uh, 
we're excited to see where you're going with your journey. I think everyone that's been on your show is excited. Yeah. I'm excited. It, it, you're going to do some cool things. And uh, yeah, I, but take this as an opportunity because it is. Yeah, I know. That's the reminder I needed. All right, Michael Z, Gary V. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard you say that one before. I was saving it. I wrote it <laughs> three weeks ago and I was saving it just for this, uh, for this moment. Even before you, I knew you were going to, I manifested you asking me to do this uh, podcast a week ago. And I, I wrote this just for that. <laughs> okay, he manifested it. Yeah. Well, the last question that I ask every single person on this podcast is, Michael Z, what are you grateful for today? Um, I have a lot of things to be grateful for, but I, I just became an uncle two weeks ago. Oh. So, um, as two weeks ago today, actually. And uh, I have another nephew on the way. So, I would say I'm grateful for my two new nephews. So, wow. exciting. Uh, Uncle Michael Z is going to be an interesting. I think I'm going to be Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I think that's going to be my <laughs> uncle name. I haven't decided yet, but I'm go. I'm leaning that way. <laughs> Where did you go with that? Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I just thought I didn't like Uncle Michael, so I was like, "What other uncle can I be?" And so that was the first one I thought of. I thought that was good. I like that. Uncle Phil. <laughs> the type of things he does. Uh, also, for everyone listening, and then I'll say, "What are we grateful for?" He puts pictures of himself. These are the bits that he does. And when he goes into a restaurant, he gives a picture of himself to the waiter and acts like he's famous. And I feel like if you you're feel his energy through this episode, but if you know him, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Can I say something? <laughs> oh, no. It's not just that he gives photos. He gives signed photos. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I sign him and personalize him. And, and my boy is famous. He was on Steve Harvey. Oh, see, I was trying to get through the episode without having to uh, say it, but... <laughs> Inspired to bring it up. Yeah. Uh, Judge Steve Harvey, episode eight. Uh, hoping to get on Judge Steve Harvey, all stars one day. We'll see. <laughs> it's ridiculous. My whole life's ridiculous. All the bits. What I love so much is like the bits that we did years ago, they just never die. And we just keep milking the bits and the jokes and they just keep b getting bigger and bigger. If you just rewind and watch my life, uh, yeah. And all the stuff, it's just the jokes keep getting bigger and better. And so I just, again, like I said, I feel very successful because I'm able to do those jokes and able to yeah. to do these these crazy things. So I've made it. I made it, mom. I've never met someone else. I feel like that's why we started getting along so well. I'll come in here and just like say things about my life. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And then Michael will tell me a story. And I'm like, where did you come from? Yeah. Like, where are these situations? Crazy at? stuff happens. It's like a sitcom sometimes. And I'm like, it must just be the fact that we laugh or we're outgoing. Like, I don't know what it is, but sometimes I feel like I attract this energy and I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what the hell is going on? I've never cussed as much in an episode. Well, thank you, Michael, <laughs> for being on the podcast. I guess I need to say I am grateful for my health. I, I feel like I repeat the same ones, um, but I'm super grateful for my health. And then also just being able to go on this yoga retreat. I feel like this is the fresh start that I needed. So that is all she wrote. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me.